0: Hello everyone, Amadorn here, and welcome to the Tangled Rock Crossroads podcast. Um, I have another guest with me today. Um, she played Kai in our Land of Soren campaign that wrapped up here in October. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself. And
1: Alright, hi everyone. I'm Bree. As Am said, I, I played Kai, but I've been playing D&D, I would say, 90% of my life at this point.
0: So, So about when did you start?
1: My dad got me started playing D&D when I was about five years old. It wasn't complete campaigns or anything like that. He just kind of introduced me to basics and everything like that. And my sister was around the same age when she got started. So my sister and I have been playing forever, it feels like.
0: So did you start collecting dice at that point? No. Because I know you... As part of our group, you probably have one of the largest collections of
1: dice. I think I do actually have the largest collection of dice in our group. Um, and I don't even want to think about how much money I have spent on dice over the last several years. But it's just something that I enjoy. I right. I make palettes for my characters. And as you've seen it, you've played at the table with me several times now that... I will rotate dice if they start rolling badly in each <laughs> session. So I, I, I've kind of
0: gotten into. I, I think you saw it with Theo. I kind of got into theming dice a little mm-hmm. bit with him. I, I, I'm nowhere near on that scale though. No,
1: God, no, now, I have I mean, your collection's growing. It is, but the collection that I have is absolutely insane, and I didn't start that until I don't think it was like five years ago, maybe five six yeah. years ago.
0: I, I do have two new sets coming. They're, they're, they're liquid core dice. <laughs> yeah, you were telling me about those. You were telling me about those. It's so
1: interesting how everything... I, like, I didn't even start really collecting dice until a friend of ours had started collecting dice. And then I just kind of exploded in my collection, and now I'm rubbing off on everyone else. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so you started playing D&D about when you were five, you said. Mm-hmm. Um do you remember which, which version of D&D it was? I mean, that probably would have been about the AD&D time frame. My
1: dad... Maybe second edition? Yeah, my dad kind of ran a mixed version of AD&D and second. But I learned how, at that time, I learned a kid-friendly version of Thacko and everything else. and. Um,
0: I remember the days of Thacko.
1: <laughs> I, I don't miss it, but... At the same point, all that math definitely helped, especially as I was going through elementary school, because I far exceeded my peers for quite a bit because I was doing complicated math problems at home for fun.
0: Right, playing D and D. Yeah,
1: got, exactly. Got to figure
0: out the dice rolls. I I struggled with go, um quite a bit, but uh, you know I, I, I had a pretty good DM, so we kind of worked through it. Um, but like you, I we played a mix of. I I don't think you could really call it any one particular edition. Mm-hmm. You know, we played played the old Beckme set set. We we played AD and D and then when second edition came out, we kind of started started mixing that in. Um so so I've I think I've played every version of D&D to some extent.
1: I think I have too. I really fell off playing D&D for a while in middle school and high school. I would still play with my dad on occasional weekends and family friends and stuff, but I got so involved in sports and band and theater and everything else that I just kind of, my time was sucked elsewhere. Mm -hmm. I really didn't pick it back up until late, late high school, early college.
0: Right. Um, besides D and D, have you played any other RPGs?
1: Uh, Pathfinder. Yes. Uh, you ran Savage Worlds for us a long time ago. That was really fun. Um, I'm in the Tales of the Loot campaign as well, if people have seen that, Uh, but it's just one of those things that, RPGs are kind of my bread and butter at this point, Uh, both in-person and then video game style as well, so.
0: Right, right. Of course, we've both probably played uh, Baldur's Baldur's Gate Gate 3. Oh, (laughs) yes,
1: ours. And I played the original two Baldur's Gate games on the PlayStation 2 and... Absolutely loved those games. Yeah. So
0: I remember way back in the day when SSI put out the, mm-hmm. the old gold box, like *Pool of Radiance* sets, and uh, just the amount of hours that I've put into those, all the way up to like *Cursed Azure Bonds* and stuff like that. It was crazy what we did I back would in those say, days. There,
1: there's been so much with pop culture that people I don't think realize has been influenced by games like D and
0: right? Yep. Um, so, so let's talk about Kai a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, Kai was a member of the Sigil 6 during Mm -hmm. the Land of soaring campaign. Tell us a little bit about Kai.
1: Oh my gosh. Uh, we picked up kind of late in the campaign for some of the stuff that we touched on with Kai, but, uh, Kai was one of the youngest in her family, and she idolized her grandfather who had been an adventurer and that was a big part of her going out was that she wanted to try and find him because her family thought he was nuts. Why would you want to leave? Her older brother had left and joined the Navy and her older sister had gotten married and was settling down in the same village, but her younger sister had, well, younger ish, they were twins, almost identical. Uh, Her twin and her had gone out collecting potion ingredients for their mother who ran ran an apothecary and had her leg attacked and part of it eaten by an alligator that (laughs) Kai then beat up. So if you can't tell, Kai was a monk. And I was strongly influenced by Marisha Ray and Beauregard Lionette when I created Kai in the way of the Cobalt Soul, but... I took my own heavy spin on it, and she was so fierce for her family and for her friends that she was willing to lay down her life repeatedly to save her friends. And Wakai never actually died in campaign. She came close. A lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it's hard to deny how much influence role has had on the current... Almost golden age of RPGs that have mm-hmm. come out. Um, I did just recently pick up the Can- Candela Obscura RPG book, the core book. So, oh, cool. so I'm kind of reading through it. But um, uh, is there any other characters that you've played in the past that um, have had influence from either fantasy novels or or movies <sighs> or, or
1: sort of? So, I had a character that I had ran for the first Thursday campaign that we ran before we did Land of Soren and at first she was influenced by Lady Vexalia of the first campaign from Critical Role because I was just, it was my first time playing a ranger, and I thought, you know what, I like Laura Bailey, I'm going to follow part of her lead with this. But it quickly shifted into what I would describe more of like Aragon influence with what she had become because Colin, my DM at that time as well, had we had discussed and we had decided that we would make her into a Dragon Rider, which was a third party subclass or class and subclass that we had found in a book that we thought was pretty balanced and it worked with the campaign really well and it worked with her story. Because it was a world where the dragons had vanished.
0: So have you ever read the Dragon Riders of Pern series by Anne McCaffrey?
1: Uh I think so. It was it would have been a really, really long time ago and I can't really remember it. But it I've heard from other people who are more versed in Pern that she was very similar to some of what had happened within Pern. But it was such a fun campaign and once the episode comes out, if it ever comes out, or whatever happens with it, uh, the episode where we meet the uh, NPC that was in the previous campaign that saved us from the party
0: wipe. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that is way in the line. Um,
1: yeah, and I... For
0: those of you who have paid any attention to the Land of Sorin series, You know, that campaign lasted about three years, but I've only put out about 15 episodes of that series. And there's like 115 sessions of game that we actually played over that three years. I think so. So so there's still a lot lot of footage that needs to come out for that.
1: There was a lot. But that NPC was actually someone who was introduced in the previous Thursday campaign, and the tie-in with that was fantastic for those of us who played in that previous campaign and that's why you saw the three of us freak out and <laughs> we were thrilled because we we're like oh and then when the one of the characters from the previous campaign came back it was such a cool moment kind of curious if
0: if we're going to see any of that in the next campaign that he runs
1: I wonder especially with how it ended Yep. and the implications of some of what went on um it also depends on if he's going to have this next campaign run concurrent, later down the line, earlier in the line. We won't know until we have that Session Zero. Yep,
0: yeah, which is, I think, next week?
1: The Thursday before Christmas.
0: Right, right. That That's going to be fun.
1: I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, it's going to be a fun campaign. I'm looking forward to my character for that. Um, there's more Critical Role influence coming in that <laughs> one as well. But I, I don't want to say too much, because you're playing in that one, too. Right.
0: So so we've talked a little bit about Kai, and you've mentioned that you kind of theme your dice sets.
1: Yes. And
0: did, did Kai have a dice set theme?
1: She did. So her robes were orange with red hints, and her hair was a bright, fiery red, but there was also hints of blue for the Cobalt Soul. So a lot of the die sets that I used for her were orange, some red, and a few blue, with a, occasional hints of green because she grew up in a swamp. Nice. So it, it was really fun. <laughs> this next character I've got, it's a lot of dark reds and blacks and interesting and some deep purples. So I'm very excited.
0: <laughs> um, so you're also going to be playing in a campaign that I'm going to be running mm-hmm. that's going to be running basically side by side with... Yeah. with the Thirsty game that's going to be starting up that I'm playing in. Um, I know what you're playing. Without getting too much into spoilers for folks, um, would you like to introduce that character at all?
1: Sure. Uh, I'm going to have to be very, very careful about how I do this because I'm sure that some of the other players are going to listen and I don't want to reveal too much, but I had a lot of fun creating her based on a lot of the old celtic mythology when it regards to fey and the things that that could imply as well as i took inspiration with that one from music that i listened to because i listened to a lot of celtic Woman and celtic thunder and okay. i took a lot of inspiration for some of those events or different locations and things from those songs so i was very excited to be able to bring that into interesting mm-hmm.
0: um without getting into spoilers too much
1: (laughs) you've read the backstory
0: have you watched any of the Outlander TV series?
1: I have not it's on my to be watched list to be fair but there's a lot of things that I'm also trying to catch up on
0: I I will tell you that from what I know of your backstory there is um, definitely some hints there that you might be able to pull from
1: Cool. So I'll, I'll move that closer to the top. I'll move that closer to the top. Um, yeah, I recently started something else that is going to be taking up a lot of my time, but I'll try and watch it in between the episodes as like a palate cleanser because I'm really late to the party but I started watching Attack on Titan, so... Ah, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. okay. okay. <laughs> but I don't do gore very well, so I'm going to need something to kind of go in between Mm -hmm. that as a palate cleanser, so I'll add Outlander to that.
0: So, um, what were some of the experiences from the the last campaign that you enjoyed?
1: Oh my gosh. I know you had Colin on last, and we're talking to him about some of those moments, and one of my favorite moments was the reveal of the phone call <laughs> <laughs> and the chaos that ensued um that was just such a fun moment
0: the fact that it worked
1: the fact that it worked and then we couldn't stop ribbing on you, because yet again, <laughs> when you spoke to her again, you didn't ask her name.
0: Right, yeah, Yeah. we talked about it in the last episode. It was like the third time that we met met Kinora, when I finally remembered, hey, what's your name? Yeah, and that's when
1: <laughs> all of us were together. Right. And we were there like, dude, <laughs> ask.
0: It just didn't seem to be important the first couple of times, I guess.
1: <laughs> That's one of the first things you always ask. Especially in a realm of magic where you can use that magic to then reach somebody.
0: <laughs> that that was hilarious. Oh my gosh, I, it was such a that moment. I, that I didn't ask her name both times, both of the first two times that I talked to her.
1: I think one of my other top <laughs> moments though in that campaign was the moment with Thelzar where we didn't kill him. And we helped him. And then the reveal later on down the line that He knew who Kai's grandpa was. He had sought help from Kai's grandpa and his party and all of that that it entailed. And it gave Kai closure with her grandfather and Uh, everything else.
0: Deltar became quite an important ally to us.
1: Very important. Very, very important. And um, that closure meant a lot to me personally, too. Because I think it was just the year or year and a half prior... I had just lost my own grandfather, hmm. so having that extra closure was really, really nice.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. As we go back and think about it, that that campaign, during that campaign, I lost both of my my parents during that campaign. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother passed away and my stepfather passed away. So that there, besides the great memories of the campaign, the friendship and stuff that we had around the oh table helped. helped helped get through some of that stuff yeah
1: oh so. yeah having my friends around during moments like that has been absolutely key because otherwise I'd lose it. <laughs> yeah.
0: that, that, that's one nice thing about the D group that we have you know we're we're not just a random group of players you know no we're, we're all we're, really we're, really good friends yeah i i mean you you grew up in front of me basically
1: yeah Yeah. so (laughs) because i
0: worked with your dad
1: you did and it's really funny okay so listeners it's a really funny story about how i met am for the first time because he worked with my dad and my dad was teaching me to get into magic the gathering and everything else and he you were selling cards at that point Mm -hmm. in time and we first met when I was around seven years old. Mm-hmm. And my dad got my first cards from you. And I still have most of those cards. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's really funny. But, then, yeah, I did basically grow up in front of you.
0: And, and we kind of lost touch for a little bit because mm-hmm. you, you, your dad left the company that, I, that we worked for. Um, and then you started coming to the shop.
1: And you didn't realize it, who I was at it, first. It, it
0: took me a couple of visits for you to get here before I realized, oh my, you've grown up. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Yeah, because at that point it was. It had been over 10 years. Yeah. I think it was close to, I want to say it was like 13, 14 years when I first started coming back and you finally realized who I was again. Yep. Because I, w- I think it was close to like 2021. And. I was coming back down fairly regularly, playing in different games and everything else, and it kind of hit for you, because I knew who you were, mm-hmm. but I was waiting to see how long it would take, <laughs> because I had changed a lot since I was a little girl, and it was just one of those things that, once we realized, and everything else, and then I brought my sister in, and we finished.
0: I, I do do seem to be one of, one of the two older people in our group you know i'm, I'm you in my are. 50s and everybody else is in their 20s <laughs> well <laughs> for the most part
1: <laughs> 20 late mid to late 20s to early 30s for the rest of us <laughs> but i mean you've been a fixture as a friend for years and then the other older player has basically become dubbed the quotates shop dad <laughs> <laughs> because him and his boys were down here all the time and he watched a lot of the other players grow up and yeah. everything else So, and, and those guys have grown up basically in this store as well so. exactly so in
0: in the next campaign that that's going to be going on on Thursday, we've talked a little about, about what you're playing in the campaign that I'm running um, again, without giving anything away, because I'll be a player as well, Mm-hmm. Have you decided what you're going to play in the in the next Thursday game?
1: I have. Uh, so it'll be a first for you to sit at a table where I'm actually playing a guy. So I'll be playing a guy this time. Um, and for the first time, for me, I'm playing a warlock. Interesting. So it's going to be an interesting thing. I'm a cleric main, as you know. So it's going to be different for me to play something so different from what I'm used to playing. So
0: Well, I'll be honest, I thought Kai was a little bit outside of your, your normal mm-hmm. because you were playing a monk with Kai. Um, now, I am going to be playing a, a gemstone dragonborn.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to reveal too much about my race either. Just know that I'm very human passing.
0: I, I do know that there's another player who's going to be playing a dragonborn.
1: I know, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm uh, very excited for it, I don't think
0: we've decided as to whether or not we're going to have known each other beforehand or not. Uh, We'll probably decide that during the session zero. But
1: Mm -hmm. it
0: it could be interesting.
1: Well, and we're rotating players out for this (laughs) next campaign a little bit, too. A little bit,
0: yeah. We've got um, uh, one person
1: stepping away. away and, And then another player coming in. Yep. But I'm very excited about it. I I have the benefit of I've always got a seat at Colin's table but that's for a myriad of reasons <laughs> one of which being personal relationships outside right? of the game <laughs> but uh, it's just one of those things that when you have those seats at the table of having consistent players and people that you always feel comfortable having come back to your table it's always really big
0: so, speaking of influences outside of the game, um, have you had any experiences where things that have happened in-game have affected your outlook on certain things in re- real life, or, or maybe there has been some sort of crossover between the two?
1: I have, actually. Um, and it was... A great step in player growth for me because at a table that was run by a different one of our friends I had been playing a badger folk cleric and the DM at that point had run several one-on-one sessions with all of the players of you have this amount of time to make a decision save someone really important to you or save someone really important to the world at large and my character had sacrificed her sister to save her princess
0: Oh, that brings back some dark feelings about the Thursday campaign, since I basically sacrificed your brother. Yeah,
1: Um, (laughs) but he had decided and told his partner, who was also a a player at the table, that they weren't actually dead. My character freaked out, and I almost started PvP, because I was absolutely livid. Because her sister had meant so much to her. So it was one of those moments where the line got blurred there for a little bit. But I came back the next week. I was upfront about my mistakes. I apologized to everyone. Both personally and to the table. Because it wasn't fair to everybody else. I get emotionally invested in my characters. Not everyone does. And it wasn't fair for me to take that out on everyone else.
0: Yep kind of like when I blew up the tower
1: that, that was, that was such... a fru-
0: that was a frustration part and we've talked uh, we talked about that in the last episode where, where we were talking about player agency and you know some of the crazy things that, that Theo did so
1: you had so many harebrained ideas I was surprised <laughs> half of them worked <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, I can't say for certain that it was just you who had harebrained schemes because our other player, Troy, had just as many harebrained ideas. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the campaign, especially.
0: You got creative with the dynamite, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) You both did. (laughs) We
1: did. We really did. And that was a team effort. But as soon as he had started asking about certain things, I knew immediately what he was planning because I've sat at a table with Troy Mm -hmm. for so long now. That I'm able to kind of pick up what little clues he's giving me of, okay, this is the plan. How can I help? Right now, he
0: ran a game for us not too long ago, mm-hmm. where we were both players. Yes, I was playing a wizard, who <laughs> a swole <up> being, wizard <laughs> ended up being largely a fighter at the end of. The, I think he, I think Lousy had more levels in fighter at the end of that campaign. I think he than, did than too. Wizard. I
1: think he did too because but, of that sword. <laughs> but that sword was such a huge thing for you, but you were the only one in the party who could wield it.
0: Right, because I was the only one whose alignment was true neutral.
1: mm mm-hmm. Because I was neutral good, yep. and I was, at that point, of course, also running a cleric, but I was running a dwarven forge cleric who, at the very end of the campaign, dipped three levels into Artificer. Because I wanted that armor bonus with the... <clears throat> everything else and some of the spells that came with that. And I had already taken a Cleric to level 20 before, and I wasn't opposed to doing that again, but some of the stuff with Artificer just made so much sense with Forge Cleric that I just kind of went with it.
0: Right, right. Yeah. The sword of answering and having it be true neutral and and, and Lousine being the only one to be able to wield it, it just kind of made sense that he took it. But... Without the levels of fighter, it was kind of a pointless weapon, so it mm-hmm. kind of felt like I needed to take the levels. And then, of course, we got the belt.
1: Yeah, you had to get the belt, because you couldn't lift it. I,
0: I think it was the lowest uh, giant strength belt.
1: Yeah, because it was hill, right?
0: Yeah, I think it was hill giant or something like that. But, uh, yeah, which gave me a crazy attack rating.
1: It did, especially with that <laughs> sword. And you also had Warcaster, I think, too, didn't yeah, you? Yeah,
0: I, I ended up taking taking Warcaster so that you
1: had all kinds of different yep. ways you could do stuff. And
0: yep. being able to use the sort of answering on a, on an attack of opportunity.
1: <laughs> and for you listeners, I'm going to say this as someone who mains clerics. There's a lot of ways to play clerics, but the way I played this cleric, she wasn't a heal bot. She wasn't someone who was playing support. She was a frontline, I'm-gonna-beat-your-face-in tank, and especially late in game, with the ability to take a tiny piece of metal and then make a giant amount of it, she had made adamantine armor for herself, Mm -hmm. and at the very end of the campaign, her AC was well over 30 as a base. Right. (laughs) It was absolutely, absolutely nuts, and I loved playing her but she was also a challenge because of the amount of times that she would butt heads with certain members of the group and their crazy antics because she was very rigid and very by-the-book.
0: Well, that game basically ended up taking us like to the Feywild. Oh, like
1: yeah, that. we were in the Feywild for a while, <clears throat> and we had fought Thera's Dune, which was a yep. rework of one of the really, really old AD&D modules, which mm-hmm. I still have a copy at home.
0: Yep, so do I. <laughs>
1: and... Within that, like, it was just one of those things that our druid, who was the epitome of chaos in our group, tried to give Farrah's Dune a bubble bath with (laughs) the spell tidal wave and a bar soap.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, Drya, 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 (laughs) Drya. That
1: and the quiver of clutter that was a magic item specific just for that character. Yeah. I, there's times I miss the chaos of that group. That,
0: that that game, that game was just pure chaos. It it, it was fun. It, it was oh really good fun.
1: It was a good way to just kind of let yeah. loose. Yeah. But it's not my typical style when I play. I'm usually more of, I'm the hero, let's get this done. Right. Not, I'm going to go run around and do everything.
0: And and, and I'll be honest, with, with Theo, um, I... I let my hair down with him. He really
1: did. He was so much fun. Yeah. uh, um, He was so much fun.
0: I I was trying a lot of different things with Theo. And and I'm kind of looking forward to the the next one. I haven't even named him yet. I haven't come up with a name or a backstory. Because I'm kind of waiting until Mm -hmm.
1: we find out more
0: about about where we're going to be situated in the new game.
1: So, with this new Thursday character... I have a name. I also have quite a bit of things within my backstory already fleshed out, just not typed out, because I want to know more about the area that we'll be in before I completely decide on everything. But this character was basically set about half... Like, this character was decided upon about halfway through the previous Thursday campaign. I am. So this character has been in the wings, waiting for a very long time. Yeah, I...
0: I really didn't settle on this character until relatively recently, because at one point I really thought, well, I was going to dig out Keth and pull Keth out. Oh my gosh!
1: Do you really want to play two kids in a row, though?
0: That that was really the thing that kind of decided. No, I'm not going to play Keth because Keth is (sighs) Keth is a barbarian.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: He was actually younger than Theo.
1: And Theo was thirteen.
0: Right. So. I mean, it was like eleven or twelve or something like that. But the just the idea of playing two kids back to back and 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 basically having another chaos character because that's Cass.
1: Oh yeah, Cass
0: is just pure chaos.
1: I've seen him at the table before. He's fun. But oh my lord, he's Chaos. (laughs) (laughs) Chaos incarnate.
0: So I kind of wanted to step back with that. I I will say this new character is going to be very much older. Like, late 60s, early 70s. Okay.
1: Okay. Um, I haven't completely decided on an age for my new character yet, but he's going to be very fun. (laughs) <laughs> I'm really trying to expand my horizons on how I play characters, and what kind of styles I have, and what kind of things I can do, because I've been pretty set in how I play characters for several years now, mm-hmm. so I'm really trying to expand that, and as you said, Kai was a step, and now I'm jumping in the deep end. Yep,
0: yeah, yeah. So... So, with all that in mind, uh, have you picked out a dice set for your next character? Several. Several? <laughs> of course.
1: Of course I have. <laughs> of course I have. I kind of mentioned it earlier, but, uh, so for the one I'm playing for you, I already have like a dice set that's kind of tied in with like a lots of pinks and greens and mm-hmm. kind of all that stuff because she's a druid. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll tie in with some of that, but there's also going to be that darker side because of the subclass that you're letting me play. Right.
0: 'Cause we're not going with a standard one. We're going no, with
1: No, we're going with a third party class. Right. Um it's the Age of Antiquities book. Mm-hmm. Which was absolutely fantastic. And which
0: kind of fix fits with the setting that I'm running because the consonants that where my campaign is going to be based is very much a a, a ancient Europe or early Middle Ages, Europe, mm-hmm. analog. You know, we've got yeah. Greeks, we've got Romans, we've got...
1: The Celts the we've The Celts, got. the
0: Vikings, yeah. you know.
1: And we're starting in a Viking area, but as of right now, none of us are from there.
0: Right? That really threw me. It's, it's like, and, you know, after everybody made their characters, I was thinking like, well, maybe I should have just let everybody make their characters and then decide where we to <laughs> s- do the setting. But I, I think it'll work out in the end.
1: I do really like how the one story beat of part of my character, I I don't want to say too much, but part of my character and then a reappearance within some standing stones. That is just well within the lore of the Celts and the Vikings and everything else. It's just beautiful. And I can't wait to play with that.
0: (laughs) Has Jenna told you much about her character yet?
1: Not really, just that uh, he's a ranger and is also from the area that my character's from. But I can't say too much more because...
0: We can't give away too much. Exactly, because a
1: (laughs) a lot of my character's backstory is very... is very hinged on things that happened, and different events but the timelines don't always match up for how old she looks (laughs) and it's it's going to be very interesting to play with that
0: yeah i and i am i don't you know much like the Linda sworn stuff i don't know if i'll get it out in a timely fashion but i would like to record that and put it out on the channel uh, for folks to listen to as as part of the podcast series um or, or or you know if we don't put out full ep- episodes maybe maybe we'll have some discussion sessions where some some of the oh, players please. get together and talk about it here on, here on the podcast.
1: Please, that'd be so <laughs> much fun. And it's another group of just super fun we've known each other forever kind of group and for two of us, I've known one of one of the other ones her entire life. Yeah, it's because your sister. it's my sister. <laughs> <laughs> My little sister. Mm. So it's always really fun to have that and yep. to have the family connection to come down and play. And
0: So growing up, did uh, you, do, you and your sister play D&D or RPGs together frequently? or
1: We did, actually. Um, when we weren't usually at the table, we were playing. A lot of the times we played two-player on the old Baldur's Gate PlayStation games. There you go. So, we really got into it. We know those first maps. We could probably (laughs) do them in our sleep. It's just one of those things. We did that a lot and we had a lot of fun with it. Our brother wasn't as into it and still isn't. He knows how to play, but he just doesn't. He's not as into it. Right. Hmm. But, yeah, my sister and I have played games like this pretty much since we could figure it out. So. Let's
0: talk about Dragonlance a little bit. Oh,
1: God. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I know
0: you're a big fan of Dragonlance. I am. I am. Um, Got any favorite characters?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, So, it might surprise you a little bit, but I'm actually a really big fan of Tass. Really? Yeah. I really like Tasselhoff. He's really funny, and I think the reason I like him so much is because... Anytime something happens with him, it just makes me laugh.
0: Right?
1: And it's to a point that um, Troy, one of the old, one of our other players, knows I really like Dragonlance. He's way more into it than I am. He knows I enjoy it, though.
0: Yeah, I am am planning on having Troy on here to basically have a session where he just goes to town with (laughs) Dragonlance. Oh, please.
1: That'd be so good. Um, But one year for Christmas, he actually found an old pewter. Tasselhoff figure, still in box. It's at home with my D&D stuff. Oh, nice! it's it's so cool and he knows that I love Tass so it was one of those things that he just found that for me and I wasn't expecting it, but I appreciate it so much.
0: While I'm familiar with Dragonlance, I've never been a huge fan of it. Uh, like as, as mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, I, I I was more a fan of the Dragon Riders of Pern series by mm-hmm. Anne McCaffrey. Um, I did watch the animated movie that was made of Dragonlance many years ago. That uh, we won't talk too much about.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably for the best. There, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll
0: let Troy go over over that
1: yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of opinions about that one. <laughs>
0: But, uh, yeah. But, but Dragonlance is a good series. I mean, I. It,
1: it's very enjoyable, especially for high fantasy, for what it is. Yep. Um, and,
0: and. TSR I, did put out a, a fairly nice series of modules for it. Yes.
1: And as a group, a lot of us had decided to get Troy that. I think it was for Christmas one year. Yep, yep. We bought, bought him. I think it was almost,
0: like, every, almost, not almost everything. Not everything.
1: We got him, I think, the first 16 modules for sure with a couple of extra bonuses and a, you gave him a bag with it all and everything else. But it was kind of our way of saying thanks and just saying, here, we know you like this. We found a deal.
0: Right. And and that was pretty fun giving him that.
1: Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. He, f- The emotion that he had that night was just, <laughs> it's nice to see it sometimes. Right.
0: Um, Are there any other series that you enjoy?
1: Uh, So, not a surprise to you. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. Absolutely huge Lord of the Rings nerd. And then... But, no, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. And then, for a lot of other fantasy stuff, like, I like Skyrim a lot. I, I like, a lot of my peers of my age group got really sucked into it when I first came out. And then...
0: I, I gotta ask... Loot Horde?
1: Oh, you know it. You know it. I have all the mods installed that lets me just wander around picking up everything. Oh, uh, I,
0: I, I think I have watched from one end of Skyrim to the other at really slow pace because I was just weighted down with every little cup and saucer I could pick up.
1: It's really funny because one of the characters I created, I nicknamed them the Roomba because they were just picking up Everything. Everything that wasn't a theft item was in their inventory. It was just... And even then there were several theft items in there. It didn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> but it, it's just one of those things that the high fantasy games like that or high fantasy novels or things like that where there's dragons or other magic or things like that it's probably going to pull me in pretty quickly. Right. Um, some of my friends are actually encouraging me to read A Court of Thorns and Roses, and I have a feeling I'll get started just after New Year's. <laughs> but that's another long series, so.
0: I have been going back through the Riff War saga. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I am. I've gotten. Uh, I'm about to finish the Serpent War
1: mm-hmm. set,
0: which is the fourth. Well, trilo- fourth or fifth trilogy within the set. Um, and and that's pretty good. So mm-hmm. I've really been enjoying that. It's taken me about six months to get through to that.
1: Well, and another thing about me, though, is I'm sure people have seen it through the episodes of Soren that are out and then Tales from the Loop, but I take really crazy good notes. And part of that is because I'm a lore junkie. But when I went to college, I also majored in history. So, at this point, there's one other strong influence in my life for different fantasy so-called genres, but this one's more sci-fi. Stargate. Oh, yeah, yeah. I am a gate jumper. I'm not a Trekkie or a Star Wars fan so much as I am a gate jumper because Stargate has been my bread and butter since, I think I was about 10 um,
0: Freebie has an entire channel of nothing mm-hmm. but Stargate.
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, one of the things I asked for for Christmas was the entire series collection of Stargate. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I think I'm probably gonna end up with it. So <laughs> I'm not angry. Okay,
0: um, well, since you brought up Stargate, I have to ask what you what is your opinion of Stargate Universe?
1: It's okay as a standalone. If you try and include it in with the lore of everything else, it doesn't fit very well. No, it doesn't. And, like I said, as a standalone, it's pretty good. But I'm a huge fan of SG-1, especially the fairly early seasons when Richard A. Anderson is in there, and Amanda Tapping, and Christopher Judge. Uh, The original SG-1 team is just my favorite, but... I do like how they transition everything then into Atlantis, because it's telling the story, but it's telling it concurrently at points, but also tying them in together. And they did that well.
0: I did enjoy Atlantis pretty good. Um, Of course, I I feel like SG-1's my favorite of Mm -hmm. of the Stargate universe. Uh, Of course, I'm a Trekkie.
1: Yes, and... And it's like I, I, just, I have
0: been watching uh, Star Trek since it was in syndication in, in, in the late seventies and early eighties.
1: Exactly. So I mean, I grew and,
0: up on Star Trek.
1: And it's like I told you, I also just recently started watching Enterprise for the first time. Most of that had something to do with the fact of I really enjoy some of the actors, especially Archer. mm Hmm. So, but I didn't first discover that actor until I watched him in NCIS, New Orleans.
0: Right. Well, my first experience with Scott Bakula was
1: uh, Quantum Leap. See? So, it's... Different age ranges discover actors in different places, and then we go back and watch other things, or we continue and watch other things, and it's just one of those things. But... I
0: think he was the only real big, established actor who was in Enterprise. Mm -hmm. um, Because, you know... The others, like Dominic Keaton, you know, they were fairly unknown, at least to me.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's been the general consensus, is that...
0: I do watch their podcast. They do the Shuttle Pod show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Where they, they bring in a whole bunch of, you know, not just actors, but people behind behind the camera have, have been on there. They had Terry Metalis on there and oh, stuff like that. Oh, so. because...
1: For a lot of those shows, some of the unrecognized are the most important.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because I did technical theater in high school. I wasn't always recognized on stage by the rest of the cast or anything. But what I did was just as important, if not more. Because I ran lights, I did curtains, I did set, I did all of it. But we wouldn't have a show without it.
0: That's true. That's very true. So, you've done theater... Um, Were you ever on the stage?
1: Not for overt plays. I also did large group speech, so I was involved in things like choral reading and reader's theater. Okay. And that was more my speed. It was a smaller, more contained.
0: Have you seen any benefit of that background in D&D or in RPGs?
1: Yes, I have. Um, It's kind of developed into me really getting into character with method acting and things like that or enunciation because I myself I know I get excited I start to speak really fast, get really loud but knowing how to control that and then still have diction so that people can understand what I'm saying
0: I've always felt like um, an improv class would be something that, that would be really beneficial to me you know, as a DM, and and as a player, you know, Mm -hmm. finding, but I haven't been able to find one around here that, that doesn't require you to be like a student at the college or something like that, Mm -hmm. so.
1: Yeah, it's always really difficult, especially in small towns, like we have to find those kind of classes and those kind of experiences, which is why I'm extremely grateful that I had the opportunity in school.
0: So um, we're we're gonna wrap up here pretty soon. Um, kind of kind of going back, we you know we've talked a little bit about your character Kai and and, and other past characters and, and past experiences with the game and um, with other tabletop RPGs. Of course, we've talked about your dice collection.
1: It's absolutely insane, and <laughs> the most expensive sets I have were gifts. So there's yeah. that. I I will say that. As much probably
0: not as much money as you spent on dice. I have spent probably close to five or six hundred dollars on miniatures, custom miniatures mm-hmm. from here from from AeroForge. Um, yeah, because I... like like redemption I had two miniatures made for him and he got used in what, half a dozen sessions? If that and, and then Theo, I had <laughs>
1: How many minis did you have for him? Like five, six?
0: So, so I had I had the the miniature with him in the captain's hat, and pretty much nothing else. Yay, speedos! And then I had uh, the mini of him in aquatic in aquatic form, where he was you know basically had the blue skin and the gills and the gills. And then I had two miniatures of his regular form because the first one got broke, so I had to replace it.
1: So then you had Dragon Theo.
0: Yeah. Then I have Dragon Theo, which is actually sitting over there on the sh- on the shelf. Mm-hmm. You know that that was actually a miniature that I got from a Kickstarter. Yeah. And for then MCDM, just... and then I kit bashed it to add the wings to it. And then I had a smaller dragon mini for him. I don't remember exactly where I got that mini from. I think it was just something I picked up at Amazon.
1: But yeah, yeah. I, I had like five, or,
0: five or six minis for him.
1: Yeah, it's most of my minis. I get one at the beginning of the campaign, and then I make it last. If pieces break right. off, I use super glue because I am cheap. When so... it comes to minis, not my dice. <laughs> I wouldn't want to talk about how much it would cost to insure my dice collection if I had to. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, you you've got. Just just off of a rough guess do You want to say how many sets you, you think you've got?
1: Uh as far as how many sets I think I have, I have when I last did the math, which was years ago. Uh, at that point I had close to 80 sets and I know it's much more than that now. Yeah. I'm sure
0: there's people out there who have much larger sets but
1: Yes, but a lot of the sets that I got I had also made the, at the point I thought it was a good decision, and then later on down the line I realized it was probably not such a great decision to go with the Kraken Dice Kickstarter, and I spent way too much money on that.
0: Now you've got little, basically, indiv- your, your have, storage trays that are like split up for so all your I sets used and
1: tackle boxes. Yep. <laughs> and for all of the ones that I have from Kraken Dice, I have. I got a label maker, and I labeled each set. That way I know exactly what's what. And a lot of the sets I have now are not even available for sale anymore. So if I tried to sell them to collectors, I'm sure I could get even more money.
0: Do you have a set that is, like, very special to you?
1: Yeah. Actually, my first dice set that I got from my dad. Yeah. And it's old school dice. So it's, like, the old solid blue. Yep. I have a I, set of those and those mean so much to me because they came from my dad. Right.
0: I do have a set of dice that are from my original box set, the red box set that Frank Metzner wrote. I I have that set, plus I have the two prototype D twenties that I mm-hmm. got going to Gary Con and going to the Franken party at Gary Con. Yeah. And and meaning meeting Frank and several other people who like basically created D and D way back when. So like, those are kind of the dice that are very special to me um.
1: and I mean, I have other dice sets that mean a lot, uh, some of the gift sets that I have uh, I've got some gemstone sets that mean quite a bit to me because of who I got them from mm-hmm. and then I also have other dice sets that some I've gotten from friends, some I've gotten from partners and things like that so those dice sets are always going always to mean something to me So, but within my collection, there's so many sets. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty bad. And I did actually just give out a bunch of dice from my personal collection to a bunch of college students who were learning to play D&D for the first time. And
0: I don't think that even made a dent. (laughs) No.
1: Not even close. Now, now
0: I know David has quite a few sets.
1: And he's gotten rid of a lot, too.
0: Yeah, because I I ended up buying several from him to have Mm -hmm. here at the store to sell Uh, But then he's collected more Mm -hmm. to replace those. He he even ended up buying back some of the sets that I had bought from him.
1: (laughs) Of course he did. Of course he did. Uh, But yeah, I... I'm called the dice goblin in the group, but I don't see myself as a goblin so much as a dice dragon, and I hoard them.
0: Well, well you got to have those nice clickety-clackety mass rocks. I mean, exactly! It, 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 you got to have those.
1: I and mean, some of the ones I have legitimately look like candy! <laughs> <laughs> they don't taste like it, though. <laughs> uh,
0: well, thank you for stopping by and of uh, sitting down and having a chat with me uh, You know, today. Um, we're definitely going to... Have you back, and we'll we'll talk about things. And um, looking forward to the next campaigns.
1: Yes, I'm always excited to sit at a, at a table and play again.
0: So, uh, are you? Do you have any reservations about playing two games back to back every week?
1: No. Uh, there's a reason I take really good notes, and at one point, I was in three campaigns every week and I could keep them all straight because I made sure I took good notes.
0: <laughs> I, I, I will admit that I don't take my notes as good as you. I do try to take notes mm-hmm. because of my short-term memory issues, but um, I, I think the group relies on your notes quite a bit, yours and Jenna, because I think Jenna takes pretty pretty mm-hmm. good notes too. Yeah. So
1: Yeah, between myself and my sister, we take some really good notes. No, I filled up, in that three-year campaign, I think I filled up most of that notebook and that was a really thick notebook mm-hmm. and it was one of those really nice leather bound ones too so <laughs> that's gonna stay in the collection and just kind of be looked upon as fond memories because yeah. that was such a fun campaign to play
0: well again thanks for stopping by i think we're gonna wrap up here i, I think we're out of time for this one so um um until next time everybody uh, have have a good one and uh, we'll see you goodbye